So, welcome to season four of Wild and Free, a Battleborn podcast. This is Jacob here with my co-host B. B, welcome to season four. Thank you. This means that the podcast survived the Trump administration and like barely, <laughs> right? And the yes. U.S. in general survived the Trump administration yeah. barely again. Our, our last couple episodes were a little dark in our in our thought that we a would little. Make it. <laughs> <laughs> a little that uh, is, it's a it's not a whole new day but we are a little bit more on the calm side yeah it's like a cloud slightly cloudy day yeah, yeah. it's cloudy with a chance of meatballs yeah <laughs> so we are joined today uh by brandon cunningham esquire who's a community organizer for the nevada coalition against the death penalty and Jeremy Storms, who's a board member with the Nevada Coalition Against the Death Penalty. So welcome, gentlemen. Uh, we, we definitely said, you know, it was a dark couple episodes before the new season starts. And we're going to talk about the really not super positive, light. yeah, super light conversation right. about capital punishment and the criminal justice system in Nevada. So welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Excellent. So um, would you guys just introduce the the organization and, um, you know, what it, your focus is here in Nevada? You want me to take this or you, uh, you want to be? Go for it. Okay. So uh, Coalition, um, essentially we're a nonprofit uh, centered around the abolition of the death penalty in Nevada, uh, which you can kind of guess by the, the name. Um, you know, we're a community-funded and community-centered um, org. Um, and that's kind of us in a nutshell. You know, we're a nonprofit that's really narrowly focused. So, right, right. So, along, so I, so my my day job actually, I'm a public defender and do murder and capital cases. So, um, deal with. So this is a definitely something that um, attorneys have been pushing on for for a long time and trying to get some change, but this year um, and recently the organization has really just become much more of a, a, a an animal of the community and it's really exciting um, because these sorts of legal issues kind of historically have been you know lawyers speaking to the to the legislature and so on and so forth but this is um, just there's a lot more of a groundswell this year and I think um, you know reflecting Nevadans you know stepping up from what's what's happened with Black Lives Matter and what's been happening around the country the last few years so it's really exciting to see community involvement this time around this is really exciting so like um how many do y'all have do y'all have a membership or is it more like just whoever's interested in uh we have a membership list it's not like hey you're a dues paying member of the coalition Although oh they need to start paying up just kidding <laughs> just kidding um, i know at this point you know we've seen i think we've about doubled it's almost tripling the amount of the people who are in our list and you have know, signed petitions, um, people who follow us on social. So um, 
huge expansion. Um, we're doing some more work to actually turn that into meaningful action. So for right now, I think it's upwards of three or four thousand people who've like done a thing to get in our database. Um, I know I'm on the database. Yeah, me too. Okay, well, I'm yeah. on several databases, but I, this one specifically. <laughs> okay. Because um, I attended a webinar a couple of months ago. We have done a a lot of those. So. What um what are people doing? What are, what's the membership doing? Like what are the actions that y'all are asking the community the community members to take? Um, so I think it was a uh, Monday. Uh, the session started, and for us, we are gonna push for complete um, legal abolition of death penalty this year. Um, I know for us, you know, there are the big sticking point for us is the cost of the death penalty is just. Uh, astronomical it costs something like 50 to 60 million dollars to keep the death the keep the penalty around and that's um, not with not including the cost of execution and all that um, but I mean so there hasn't been an execution in Nevada for a long time I think it's 15 years now yeah the last one was in 2006 yeah so okay. so so um there's been so the death penalty was abolished in the early 70s and since it was reinstated there's been 12 executions in nevada all but one of them were volunteers people that said hey i don't want to have any more appeals i'm asking for the death penalty i don't care about the process i don't care about the fairness i'm just committing suicide by court essentially and there's been one execution of one man um, that was against his will although that individual was really mentally ill and had a lot of issues that um Kind of point to the problems with the fairness of the system. Um, on the other side of it, uh, Clark County, um, in a study that was done in 2016, was the number three uh, county in the country for uh, death verdicts. So, excuse have, me, wow. like even yes. more than Texas? Well, it, 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 as a county, okay. So the, this study that came out looked at which which counties in the in the country had more than five executions and that amounted to one half of one percent of all counties in the country and, and nevada was number three on that list or for juries imposing a death penalty on someone it would have i think it was 36 counties that actually had imposed death sentences in the in the nation if i recall we have it's about three thousand five hundred counties give or take. Here's another fact for you. Wow. Per capita, um, the only other state that has more people on death row is Alabama. Oh, hell no. Right, right. It can't right. be on that freaking list. The, the, like, well, we're number two, Alabama beats us, but yes, that the per capita. But still. Right. Like, what? I mean, wow. so, and, and of course, the vast majority of those are here from Clark County. So the reality is Clark County seeks the death penalty against a lot of folk and gets a decent amount of verdicts against people too. So, um, you know, we're talking about, we've got somewhere around 55, 56 cases pending right now um, where they're seeking capital punishment. Um, my understanding is Riverside County is the number one county in the country for getting death verdicts. And they've got like half as many cases pending as we do right now. Wow. Oh, so hell no. So if 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 we we can go back a, f a few minutes, so I, I think it was really interesting. Um, 
know, I've I've just been here for 15 years, so I don't know if the uh, the last execution I was here, but I I didn't realize that Nevada had abolished the death penalty and then reinstated the death penalty. So how, like, what was it? What's that all about? Well, that's a that was a that was a national thing um, okay. that in the early 70s the Supreme Court got rid of the death penalty under the way it was being um, administered by all the states at that time. And they, and they did so um, in large part on, on data uh, and arguments about uh, the, the unfairness of it. You know, um, at that point in time, I want to say like there was, well, part of the changes is now you can only get the death penalty for murder alone. But before it could be for, for rape, attempted rape, all these sorts of things. And the data said stuff like, out of the 95 people that got the death penalty for attempted rape, all but three were black. You know, out of the out of the you know 500 people that got the death penalty for rape, you know, um, all but 50 were black. And so, were there there were these issues about how the death penalty would be applied um, in a way that uh, was arbitrary, and the underlying the the the, 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 the subtext of that was that it was you know, much more broadly used against people of color um, than anyone else. And so, um, I mean, you could say about just like the law. Right, right. And in a lot of ways, the death penalty has always been um, kind of the, you know, I mean, obviously, it's the, 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 the worst and most ultimate punishment that the law allows. And it, and it is um, that really even the, the origins of the modern death penalty system where you have like a execution chamber somewhere in a prison and it's not this kind of public spectacle, but it's a large part kind of driven by these issues about the, um, the way that, that the death penalty is applied more frequently to people of color um, than anyone else too. So there's kind of a long history due to that stuff. Um, you know, essentially the modern death penalty arose kind of in the late 20s or, or mid 20s after um, there were um, just a, a rash of, um, of lynchings when black men came back from World War I after serving in the military um, and, um, and they were just attacked essentially for, uh, I guess the idea that they would be treated similarly or, or people standing up and with being more, you know, this is the first time really people were, black folks were allowed to participate in in the military in a, in, a, in a way like that because of the draft in World War One, and and were allowed to participate in um, you know society like that essentially, and uh, and there was a strong reaction to it. I mean, if if you guys, there was that HBO series that was really great um, that had the lynchings, um, the the attack in Oklahoma. You're thinking um, of Watchmen, yeah? It started of what? Watchmen. It started with yes, the, right, Tulsa right, right. Now that Tulsa race riot that was essentially not even discussed until the late 90s it was 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 an example of one of those um, so-called race riots that happened in, in 1919 or shortly thereafter. And um, and really that's whenever the Supreme Court started getting involved in these cases and saying that what was happening in state courts was just completely unfair and violated federal concepts of you know due process and fairness. Um, and all these sorts of things that eventually kind of drove these executions into um, in, into into the system, into the prisons, and so on, and, and out of these what were, you know, kind of glorified lynchings or very cursory um, legal legal um, steps before something like that happened. Right. Uh, Jeremy, do you mind if I step in for? Uh, well, of course, go ahead. So um, he's given like the the quick version. I mean. The death penalty is basically the, institu the institutionalization of lynchings that have been going on since the end of Reconstruction throughout most of the South, 
and even in some western states um and as you get into the 1920s after the black summer in 2019 1919 sorry um you start seeing that that shift and it's also you see there are some really high profile riots that, that gain international attention um due to their brutality and people selling like selling bits of the person who was lynched as um gifts and selling postcards and that type of thing um and realistically it was one of the first one of the first successes of that post that civil rights um fights that were happening between like the 60s where we consider, you know, we see school desegregation and that type of thing. And really moving lynching from this kind of random arbitrary violence into the, the realm of the state was, I hate to say it was a victory, but um, it was one of those early victories. Wow. Yeah, yeah, in a, in a way, yeah, that's right. I mean, in a, in a way the death penalty is, well, it was a, not, not necessarily compromise that, that we would want but that's what it, that's how it came to be well that's fucked up right yeah, yeah that's a that's american history though just yeah i mean it's just like mass incarceration it's really like the 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 legal way to still have slavery right right so what can wh- so what can people do about it here in Nevada? Like somebody that's listening right now and they are as pissed off as we are. What? So for us, there's like the, that low hanging fruit where it's like, hey, we have a petition. And as much as people are like, everyone has a petition, um, when you actually go to talk to an elected official, it does carry weight when you're like, hey, I have a stack of like a thousand people who want to see action about XYZ, the other changed, right? We see groups like the NRA, they'll go ahead and send in a stack of postcards um, from gun owners who oppose XYZ legislation. Um, you know, it's kind of trite, but it is a really useful tactic. And we can go ahead and give you guys that afterwards. Um, yeah. Do y'all have any kind of online petitions now? Or do you they're want all, people to online. send? Okay, okay. As much as I love physical, um, I'm not going out in public right now, so. <laughs> um, yeah. What might be slightly more important is um, letters to the editor. I know, kind of also one of those old, old school organizing things. Um, but most elected officials' offices do maintain, like, they have people looking at what's appearing here. And most newspapers, if you have, you know, 10, 15 people writing letters to the editor about the same issue from different perspectives, um, it usually spurs them, well, I guess someone in the community cares. Um, you can also tweet at them. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that was one thing we were actually talking about setting up was starting uh, tweet storms. Uh, we don't have one set up right now, but there's a couple of organizations doing similar things around the American Recovery Act. Um, I think there was one at 11 our time. So you might have seen just a rash of tweets about the same thing. Um, but th- for us, I know one thing we're doing right now is um, issue elevation campaign to actually get the death penalty in front of elected officials. I think in previous years, it was just something that like, like John Ralston might ask you about it if you're you're interviewing with him, but no one else would because no one else cares. Um, What we've been doing is at some of these public events, just getting people to ask about the death penalty. And um, I want to say this year, um, most of the people in the Senate and the Assembly have gotten more questions about the death penalty than in the rest of their lives. They are ignoring those questions left and right, huh? 
Um, I would say it, it's a mixed bag. Um, some people are definitely like cr broader criminal justice issues, um, but a lot of people are like, yeah, you know, this is messed up. Um, you know, I, I would want to see a hearing on it. I'd vote against it. Um, so it's kind of just a mixed bag. There are some people who are really against it. Um, what, there's no vocal opponents at this point, as far as we've been asking. A lot of dodge questions and a lot of people like, yeah, this is, you know, why do we have this? So that's a so great question. So is it on the oh. books? Oh, go ahead, Jacob. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask a, a similar question. So, and, you know, is there any effort to push any legislation or are we going to go kind of the ballot initiative route? Like what's... Absolutely not. Ballot initiatives in Nevada are, uh, that is a six-year endeavor, having to go yeah. through two legislative sessions and a public vote. Right. Uh, I would never do that if we don't have to. Um, what we're actually looking at doing is introducing a bill... Um, basically reintroducing a bill from the last session for a retroactive um, abolition into the assembly and uh, go through that way. Great. So is there somebody that's go that's like ready to introduce it? Yep. Steve Yeager uh, put in the bill draft request and he's um, publicly, oops, excuse me, um, publicly ready to, you know, lead some of those hearings and, and push the bill through. Um, we don't quite, you don't have that same champion in the Senate, um, but hopefully we'll, we'll be able to find someone soon. Um, so like one of the things that people can do is just tweet like a little thank you for caring on about this, right? I mean, that's, that's definitely a low, like kind of a, a more low hanging fruit. Uh, one thing we're going to do is actually get, get that kind of language set up so we could do it. Um, we should have it done by next week so we can get it over to you guys. Yeah. I mean, we've just got to get more people involved. You know, this is one of those things that it's the way it's always been and, and people resist that resist change because it's the way it always was, but um, they need to hear from people that, that, that folks want that change. You know, I um, mean, even in Virginia, they're, they're looking to strongly, uh, strongly at, at, at ending the death penalty and, and Biden's talked about it on the national level. And, and um, we don't want to be behind Alabama or Virginia on any of these sorts of issues. You know, we want to, we, we want to get out there and, um, and, and have Nevadans, let their legislators know they need to make that change. Yeah. I mean, I want to piggyback off of Jeremy for a hot second. So, I mean, part of the reason why, like, just some of these really simple, hey, sign a petition, get a letter to the editor out, is because in previous years, I mean, there's been abolition bills going back to 2001 that have been introduced in the assembly to get rid of the death penalty. Um, but by and large, they were always, it was kind of a shit show when they did get a hearing. Because um, you would have loads of people go up, they wouldn't talk about the issue the issues around the death penalty they would just say hey this person on death row killed my my you know th this family member of mine and give all the gory details about the the case and the problem is most legislators hear that and they're like cool i'm not touching this because um, that's the only people that come out and i mean they they do have they do have their interests right it's right. like everybody else and then here's the thing like silence it's, it's it's not okay anymore it's never been okay but like nowadays like you can't be silent about things that matter especially when we we have our way to get our voice out you know in a way that we want twitter and all there's so many more ways to let them know that we're out here and we want that change and i you know um, oh oh i was just going to talk as far as you know the the family members who lose someone and and they get a death verdict uh, you know um 
you know, are often told like that's the, you know, that's, that's the eye in the eye, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth solution to this problem. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, and that is the way a lot of people think about how to solve a problem like a death. But, you know, I think the, the more scientists understand, um, you know, trauma and recovery and healing and, and, and these sorts of the, the closure that, that w- I think really would, um, help people, uh, move, move past these things is really elusive with the death penalty. I mean, in Nevada, half of the death verdicts get overturned at some point in time. Um, the, wow. because, because of the scrutiny that comes on these cases, um, it is in the press for forever. Um, and, and, you know, as much as families might want that closure of an execution, really the process, you know, um, in my humble opinion is traumatic for them because it, because there's ups, there's downs, there's retrials. There's been people retried three times on a, on a capital case, wow. you know, and people are in their eighties still hoping for an execution and it's just elusive. Um, whereas in, in, in Nevada, you know, a life without means life without no, the law does not allow the governor, no one can change that. Um, and, um, and ultimately if someone gets that sort of verdict, it, the, 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 the system doesn't work to really question that as hard as it would a death penalty. And so that clo- the, cl- those closures really are, you know, are, are quicker than, than the root of the death penalty. But of course, families might not see it that way. So, so all that pain and anguish that we see at those hearings, um, I mean, your heart goes out to those folks, but, um, but given that only 12 people have been executed since 19, you know, since the late seventies, um, and there's so many of these cases out there. Um, it's, it's obviously an elusive um, end to, to a prosecution, the execution. So that's, and you bring up a couple good points. And I'm curious to see, um, and I did, I, I heard a little bit of this, I think, from Brandon specifically this past weekend um, at the presentation. But, you know, definitely, I feel like at least over the last, you know, 20 years is one of those issues that that brings up a lot of complicated feelings for, for folks. And so how is it, you know, how do we reach people, you know, because there's, there's a couple, you know, you can look at it, a moral issue, like, obviously, it's, it's morally wrong, you know, like, if you if that's your, you know, that's an argument. But for folks that don't want to buy the morality or feel that it's not morally wrong, how is it that we can, you know, reach people that may not necessarily, that may be originally just be like, no, I want the death penalty. That makes sense. How can we, you know, kind of convince them of other reasons why capital punishment, you know, in our state is not something we should be doing? So one of the arguments for the death penalty would be that, you know, it stands out there as, you know, um, as, as this ultimate threat it's going to make people think twice about what they're doing. And so they would avoid it. There's no evidence in the world that says that that's actually something that influences people who find, who in, end up in a situation where they're killing people um, as, as some sort of thing to dissuade them. Um, when you talk about, um, does it, do you see, do, you know, there's studies that uh, looking at um, states that don't have the death penalty versus states that do and there's no data suggests that the states that don't have the states that don't have the death penalty actually tend to have lower homicide rates. So, yeah, so there's just really not any. It really has more to do with that conviction of an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I, and the thing about like this whole this whole argument of like putting the fear of the law in people, like that's not gonna happen to white men. 
since they're not the ones getting executed, right? Like, like, who are you sending this message? You know, this is ridiculous. Right. Well, I mean, I think Jeremy brings up, he, he's talking specifically about the analytical side. And I think for the most part, you need to actually, when you talk to most, it depends on kind of where, where you are in the political aisle. For most Democrats who are pro-death penalty, they just tend to not be super educated about it. I know it's like, they're like, oh, it saves money, right? You're like, no, it costs usually about double what a death does. Some states are worse for it, but we're about uh, a little over double the cost. Um, I know some people think, well, you know, they're going to spend less time in jail because death sentence. Um, but, you know, the reality is most of it's like 30 some odd years in prison. Um, I think for some of those folk who are like, well, you know, those aren't issues. Let's grab a rope and take them out back if it's cost too much. Right. Um, usually we see that from a lot of our conservative politicians in our state. Um, we start talking about, you know, the, the issue with process, the cost. Um, I think for me, we often talk about like, hey, there are innocent people who go through this process because our criminal justice system is trash. Um, you know, in Nevada, there's been three exonerations and one release um, where, you know, there was just like gross miscarriages of justice in these people's cases. Um, you know, some of the cases from the early 90s are like, there was no evidence this man was in the place he was supposed to have been to commit the crime. Um, or in other cases, I want to say it's Ronnie Milligan. He was just framed. And there was a letter that was that was found later exonerating him and, and with a person who did it was like, yeah, we framed him because he was pissed drunk and had no idea of, he didn't remember what happened. Um, and we have at this point, four cases like that. And I'll, I think there's, I'll, you know, there's, there's that case of just innocent people being put to death. I know when we've gone to speak to a lot of conservative politicians, they're like, Hold up. I don't like government tyranny, and this looks like government tyranny. Um, and the one that, that and this is an argument that's not used all that often among death penalty advocates, but we use it a lot, is a quarter of our death death row is made up of people with severe mental break like severe mental illness or straight up brain damage. Um, it's you know severe enough where it basically is um, it acts like an illness. And it's like and I know for me, I live just outside of downtown Las Vegas. So there are a lot of homeless people. There are a lot of folks dealing with mental health issues and drug addiction and that type of thing. And it's like, I don't necessarily think that de like death row is the way we should be dealing with these folk. Um, and this is broad, even, even more broad. When you look at people who are on death row, they, they all tend to have the same story, right? There's not a diversity among people who are on death row. These are all people who experience severe trauma um, in multiple facets of their life as children, right? Um, I think there was someone who worked for the Innocence Project who said, you know, I, I don't need to know anything about the person's case I'm working with, and I could probably write a bio that's 90% accurate to what they went through um, because that, that trauma is so universal, right? Um, for me, it's... The, the way that a lot of states still have the death penalty, it's more of a bellwether on us not dealing with social issues rather than it being like a criminal justice solution. It's more of an indication of a lack of services across the board for folk dealing with mental illness or people dealing with um, childhood abuse. That's not them saying that like abuse excuses the, the crime that they committed, um, but I don't think we can ignore that like they all have the same background. 
Yeah, and I don't. I th- I definitely don't think that's a message that gets out there much for probably the average person either to really understand that. You know, I think we're. Uh, I mean, my my personal opinion is there's nothing worse than uh, popular culture, television, and movies for trying to oppose the death penalty. Because, you know, you've definitely got those movies that, you know, were like, oh, this person's redeemed. But then you have, I mean, what's the most popular genre in America of anything right now? It's true crime. It's, you know, stuff like that. So people don't really, you know, they're, they're I mean, it's propaganda, you know. I, yeah. As much as, as much as I've enjoyed watching Law & Order, Law & Order is completely propaganda. I mean, it's not, it's not real. It, it's not real at all, but. It gets that's that's what people think, and they're like, oh, you know, murderers, they're, you know, people who thought about this, and it was, you know, whatever, you know, whatever the circumstances aren't aren't what's actually the circumstances for people in the real world. Right. Uh. I think I, you know, getting to your point, I think oftentimes we look at uh, just even like like murder cases. Something like I think it's only about twenty five percent of them even get closed in Clark County. I can't speak for the rest of the state. Um, not that they don't matter. I just don't know. Right. Um, <laughs> well, the, just the, 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 the closure rate is actually quite high in Clark County, but then that also kind of, then you worry about, you know, um, if they're closing cases with, and, and they don't have the right information, basically. Jeremy's right. I was speaking right. um, historically, kind of looking over the kit, the length of the one, the death penalty is reinstalled, but Kate, recently they've improved a lot of their their closure rates, um, which could be like, hey, Metro's is doing their job, um, or it could be something more sinister. But it's hard for us to get access to information from Metro, so it's hard to hard to know one way or the other. Right. So that's the truth. Um, you know, we we also think, and I know it feels like it was, uh, you know, a year ago now, but just a, you know, the last couple weeks of the Trump presidency with all of the pushed federal executions. Um, do you think that has increased kind of awareness and engagement? Um, and if so, you know, what what has that looked like as far as, you know, kind of people getting involved? I know for us as an organization, it definitely has. Because um, I think by and large, every execution the Trump administration carried out was incredibly suspect. Um, these were all people who had um, severe doubts about their guilt these are people who were, in, in the case of, say, people like Lisa Montgomery, just severely mentally ill. Like, these are people who should have been institutionalized, right. um, not executed. Um, so I think for us, there was a lot of these cases where it was just like, Jesus. Like, all of these cases are typifying um, all of the issues with the criminal just, justice system when it comes to the death penalty. And for us, it, um, I hate to say it, but it was, it, it acted as a good way to get people engaged on the issue. Um, because these cases were so visible, there were you know dozens of national outlets covering them, um, and, and those and, and there were cases where you know there, you know the the uh, the queue's access to the appellate process is very limited in a lot of ways, and so there was a lot of issues about whether or not people had um, you know, had intellectual disability that should make them technically ineligible for the death penalty or, or other things that you could see being foreclosed by the federal court simply on the rush of the Trump administration, which we can we know was historically aberrant, they were killing so many people. Mm-hmm. And so you have this, that, that constant tension that exists with this ultimate punishment where if you rush to judgment, you're gonna make mistakes and you're gonna kill people that you probably shouldn't. 
Um, and, and then the outrage of people who want things to happen quickly, um, when things take longer, um, you know, we often find that there, there are legitimate reasons or mistakes made by lawyers like, you know, in the position that I am early in the case um, that um, they can't be undone um, because the system doesn't allow for them to be undone. If we talk about just like the last, that window of the Trump presidency, you can see how fucked up everything is because there were all of these executions and then he pardoned this long ass list of horrible criminals. And it's like, yo, if, if that doesn't make you, I don't know, get an ulcer like me. I don't have right. an ulcer yet, but I'm pretty sure I'm I'm on the way. You're working on it. Like, no, I, I feel you. My family. We don't need more evidence of like how broken the freaking system is. No, yeah, I, I definitely feel where you're coming from. I know for me, most of my family's from Detroit. So seeing like the former mayor Kwame Kilpatrick get pardoned is like this dude embezzled billions, like millions of public funds right. away from like the city to just enrich his friends. And it's like, all right. I guess that's that's just the final nail in the coffin for how bad this was. Yeah. Okay. So, like, I don't. I, my stomach is hurting right now. How do y'all that work on this every day? How, what keeps you from like not wanting to slap a bitch every single moment of your day? What brings you joy is what I'm asking. How do you keep your life a little balanced? Uh, well, everything's terrible. So I just, uh, <laughs> but this is fine. This is fine. <laughs> well, yeah. The last year has been tough, right? <laughs> I know for me, I've been organizing since like 2008, give or take. So for me, it's just like, cause I come from environmental work. So it's like, this is my, like, this is fixable, right? Like we have a bill that's going to fix that could potentially fix it coming up this session. Right? So for me, it's like, this is easy. Right, like there's no existential dread involved in this issue. I'm not like, oh God, will my grandkids like be able to go to the same national parks? Like are those parks gonna exist in the future? Um, it's not that same kind of existential problem. So I, it sounds bad, but for me, it's a lot easier than the work I have I have done. Oh my God. <laughs> that's how you know, that's how you know we're gonna be fine. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Jeremy? Well, um, you know, I'm really grateful for the Black Lives Matter movement and that there and that, that that people outside of small circles in court who are you know um, kind of in the minority position on these issues um, are are aware of them and, and and are being exposed to some of the very obvious discrepancies that happen in our world that outside of you know being a public defender in court and seeing it regularly. Um, it's it's an elusive thing to capture, um, or it has been in in the media and in our world um, for for a long time. You know, thanks to cell phones and all the things that have happened to show proof positive that people get treated differently, and there's really no way to avert your eyes other than to say your eyes are lying to you. You know that 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 the world that I've seen for a long time is now one that we all have a have the ability to see. Um, whether or not we want to see it or not, it's another question, but, um, I, I, you know, these, 
yeah, I, I think about it a lot. Like what, am, what am, you know, what am I doing? You know, this job that is really kind of, I'm in, in the, in the real kind of um, the sausage making of America in the way that this criminal justice system doesn't work. I, you know, I, I started doing this to thinking that it would, that it can change and that the law, um, the law is going to necessitate it changing. But I mean, there's been a lot of things in the last few years, the way the Supreme Court's gone and there's a, there's a lot of questions out there as to how this is going to resolve um, if it was up to the courts. So that's why we have to do things like this and, and get more people involved because I think the courts are just, you know, the, you know in the 60s, the, the, you know, kind of the courts allowed for change. And I think that they have been changed to something that's not going to do that anymore in a lot of ways. Um, so I listen to a lot of music, do a lot of hiking, um, try to have good times and, uh, and enjoy art and family and, and all the things that we all enjoy outside of um, all the bad parts of the world we can look at professionally or not, right? I mean, it, it's just, uh, I, in some ways, it's good to do something really hard um, because that's always there and, and you're, at least you're doing something about it. Um, but yeah, there's been a lot of ups and downs lately. Let's put it that way. But this Two is, this is really exciting. What's the last concert that you went to before the pandemic that oh, us indoor? I think for me, it was the Iron Maiden concert. I think it was a T-Mobile. I want to say it was 2017, 2018. That was your last concert. Yeah, they're expensive. Get out of here. I've been poor. No, man. You just need to go to the bunkhouse. Yeah, but I want to see good people play. Oh, oh man. Oh. fired. What? <laughs> oh, my heart. My you know, heart. I, 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 I just, I collect music. So I'm like always listening, but I haven't, I can't really, I, I think I saw some kind of fish related act, although I'm not like a huge fan of them. Sorry if anyone out there is, um, but uh, I saw some fish. That was the last show I saw and, and they're, they're great players, but I just, I'm always I just, mean, they can play one song for like 45 minutes. I, it's that's impressive. I don't want to be there for the whole 45 right. minutes. <laughs> so what, so then, Jeremy, I'll follow it. So B and I are also huge music fans, like obsessively, I think. Um, but uh, so what? what is something you've listened to? And Brandon, feel free to answer answer this as well. Something you've listened to uh, recently, and that can be last year. Oh, or so boy. That, like you just, you want other, pe you just want other people to listen to. Okay. Um, right now I've been listening to a lot of like pre- pre-war pre blues all you know like everyone knows like robert johnson and so on but all of these other figures there's so there's if you look close enough of any type of music there are like 100 players in it all doing really interesting stuff and talking and they're actually really talking about a lot of what's happening in the south in this era of you know the 1919 scare and all these sort of so it's really it's in, in part because I've been thinking about all this history of the death penalty. It kind of drew me there. Um, otherwise, I would say, um, man, French, if, if, if people aren't familiar with, um, gosh, I would say French, French pop music, like from the 60s, like Serge Gainsbourg. There's a lot of fun stuff out there, like Serge Gainsbourg. We're going to um, need you to make a Slim Gaylor, playlist. like. 
I like I like to listen to music that is just kind of just 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 fun and and silly and kind of humorous in a lot of ways um, to to kind of bring the, the yin to the yang of all the other stuff I have to think about. You know? What about you, Brandon? Hell yes. Okay, so uh, two very different genres of music I've been listening to. One is like indie folk. So like the two bands oh. have been like on repeat is the Crane Wives and the Ohlos. Like if you're not if you're not here for like that like vaguely poppy bluegrassy thing, just just, just don't. It's gonna we, be we love it. We that's, love it. That's my life. Yeah. Um also City Pop. I have been uh not just like the mostly the historic stuff from the eighties. So like Marie Tamaguchi and then um there's also a couple modern folk doing like modern interpretations of that style of music, like Young Bay. Macross is kind of like in that, but it's way more like 80s synthy than like that pop sound. But like if you like type into like YouTube, city pop, just all of that. I'm gonna do this right now. Oh, okay. Nice. Um, <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I think like the best song, most, most people got introduced to it when Plastic Love went viral for some reason back in like 2014. Um, but there's a song called 4AM and that's like, it's perfect. This is, this is like, maybe we need to make a playlist out of this. Yeah. The Get Involved Against the Death Penalty playlist. Right. How to stay sane with the serious, seriousness. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, well, excellent. Well, gentlemen, um, is there anything else you wanna you wanna throw out there? Any resources? Anything people should check out? Um, Do y'all need donations? I mean, we always need donations. Uh, we're all chronically underpaid. Um, Where can people send you all the monies? <laughs> um, we have. I can. We can include our link tree. We include the donation link there. Because I'm currently redoing the site and it's taking a while because I'm not a web designer. Um, so if there's a web designer that's listening to this Amen. and wants to come and help you out. Will you a meal and, and some, some U.S. currency in exchange for helping me with this? Hell yes. Um, but I would say if, you, if you're interested in getting more involved in the death penalty, I would 100% um, go into Instagram, go into twitter facebook and find us at um nvc adp um it's the same everywhere um but for us we you know we post a couple times daily about upcoming events ways to get involved news and that type of thing around the death penalty thank you very much for coming and, and talking to us about this well it's it's my day job so well thanks for giving us the chance yeah, most definitely. And I was just looking on the, the Instagram, so I was making sure that I follow you, so I remember to look at it in a few minutes. Yeah, it's, a, it's a sad Instagram. I know for me, I'm like, my Instagram's full of nothing but food and hiking pictures, and I'm like, I don't know what to put for the death penalty. This is a... There, there's a lack of visual things that aren't depressing. <laughs> what? Last question. I just need to know. Favorite place to go hike? Because both of you mentioned hiking. Um, <laughs> are we looking at like things that are accessible to normal people or just like the best just whatever you like the most 
Alright, uh, go... Okay, I hate, I hate saying this because it's been hugged to death, but Gold Spike Canyon, it's out um, on the way to Lake Mead. Like, I remember when that was, like, the secret OG height that no one knew about, and now it has a whole trailhead and parking lots, and it's... Are you talking about Gold Spike, the one that has some ropes? Yeah. Oh, shit. I never made it because of the ropes. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. There's only, like, two, two or three that are really bad. But once you make it down, it's great. That is a night hike is surprisingly great as long as you bring lights and it's a full moon. For me, I love, I love the bristle cones and they're just so much a Nevada thing. Um, and so the upper bristle cone pine trail, um, there's just certain sections of it that are just so gorgeous. Um, the one that's at Mount Charleston or the one at Great Basin National Park? Well, the one in Mount Charleston, because that's the easiest, but I do like the uh, I do like the other one as well. Okay. As, as to get out to get out and see something gorgeous around here, or, or going and seeing Rain Tree up on Mount Charleston, people haven't seen that the largest um, bristle cone out here. It's over. It's like three thousand years old. Um, it's humongous and gorgeous, and a decent hike to get to too. Love it, love it, love nature. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much. Um, this has been Wild and Free, about a born podcast. I'm Jacob, as always, here with B. B, who's our team? If you our can remember, it's been a while. Is, you saw me make the face. Our team is Allison, right now stationed, not in the Midwest. Not in the Midwest. <laughs> she, she's back on Pacific time, somewhere around the desert. Uh, then we have uh, Jose Sotelo and Ashley Pacheco and uh, their babies, Sebastian, and their fur baby, Reagan. And then my cat, Dwayne the Kitty. Go follow him on Instagram, at Dwayne the Kitty. He needs <laughs> oh. to pay some bills. We've he, had this conversation. He does. Meow. Meow.